Hey, welcome to the show. I'm your host, Michael, and I'm both grateful and excited that you're here with me today. Currently on the show, we're following my journey as a creator, entrepreneur, and future family man. I'll be sharing the ups, the downs, and really everything in between in order to bring encouragement, motivation, and drive to your own daily life. So let's go out together and create the lives we want to live. So this was something that I didn't know was happening just specifically to me until I started talking with other people. And yeah, it's one of those times when you are just going throughout your life doing your everyday things and you're like, this is normal. This happens to everybody. And so you start talking about those things that you think are normal and very quickly you learn, oh, it is actually not normal at all. And don't worry, it is not as weird as maybe some of the other stories, but I do think it's very interesting. So I usually in the past was very good about donating blood. They need the type of blood that I have. And I mean, really, they probably tell everybody that like, hey, we need your blood so bad. But before all the lockdowns, we would just do that. As a family, my mom and I, we would pretty regularly, like every eight weeks, if you didn't know, you can go back in and donate more blood. And within that process, when you are getting signed in, you go through and go through all the checklists that they give you on the little iPad. No, 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 I don't do this. I don't do that. I wasn't out of the country during this time. Okay. Then you go see a person in a little like office room or closed off area. So it's just between you and that technician, the person that you know, they actually rotate. So there'll be the question asking people, and then they will also transfer to getting you set up to then taking your blood. Just depends on what rotation they're in. But they then ask you questions again, like, would you like to change any of what you put? Is your blood still good to do? If so, put this sticker here. If not, put it there. And I'm going to leave the room so you can choose. And I will not know if you want us to use your blood. And I always think that is strange because I'm like, if I'm here, giving blood. Why would I then say, no, don't use my blood? I don't know. But one thing within this that I thought was always normal is that they always asked me to roll up my sleeves and then show them my arms. And I always thought that this was completely normal, that they were just checking to see how tricky is it going to be to remove the blood from his body, because there is a lot to it. I mean, not really, but you have to be good about sticking a needle in someone's arms. And I actually have really good veins. So I'm always showing my arms like, don't worry, you guys, you can already see my veins. You're going to have such an easy time. My blood flows out really fast too. So like you'll get me in the chair. You can have no problem sticking me up with your needle. And then boom, just like that, I'll be in the little canteen area and I will be enjoying all the free food that you're giving me so that I don't get faint and pass out. But so while I thought that was normal, I started asking other people, oh yeah, do they check your arms before you give blood as part of that little question process? And the first person I asked, no, I never get asked that. And then I asked a couple more people and I'm like, hey, have you ever given blood? They say yes. I'm like, okay, when you go back to that little room where they talk to you, do they ask you to roll up your sleeves and look at your arms? <laughs> And yet again, like one after another of all these people I asked, family included, no one was telling me that they did this. So then I was like, okay, wait a minute. So you're telling me they're only checking my arms. And then I've mentioned on the show before, but I'm very tall and very skinny. And why else would they be checking your arms if they're not doing it for everyone? Oh, 
because they think I am a drug addict and they're checking for track marks on my arm. <laughs> like no joke, why else would they be doing that? And I just think it's super funny and super weird at the same time because I, like as you talk to me and get to know me and with what I'm wearing, I do not look like a drug addict at all. But through all my passing times of going through downtown, scootering, riding the bus, a lot of people would assume that I smoke, that I do drugs, that, you know, I just have cigarettes and weed <laughs> and whatever else. I mean, track marks is a lot higher of a drug than just smoking something. But I would always get asked that question. And that was another question that I would ask people. I'm like, do people just randomly ask you for cigarettes and lighters all the time when you're out and about? And almost everyone is like, no, no. And I'm like, oh. Okay, so I just have that look. Like, I guess if you're very skinny, they think you're sickly skinny and that you partake in all of these hobbies. So that is something I learned. I'm like, okay, so the doctors, the technicians, I mean, I don't think they're doctors yet, but whatever you want to call them, the people that are going to take your blood, they have been trained to identify people that look like they could be drug users and to ask them to see their arms to see if there are any track marks. If they found them, I'm not sure what the next steps would be, because I've never asked, but I will tell you, as soon as I started learning that they only do it for me, I joked around the next time I went in. I'm like, oh, hey, you know what? I learned that you guys only do this for me. And I know you're probably looking for track marks, but don't worry, I don't do drugs. And the person looked so embarrassed and so flustered and they immediately like started like laughing and talking like oh no we do this for everyone we always check people's arms it's just a standard precautionary thing like it's not necessarily for drug you know trying to save their butts but i was like i know i know i've done my own research and questioning you only do this for me of course i didn't tell them that i'm like oh okay but in my mind i'm like liar you have targeted me as someone who would do drugs and all i'm trying to do is give you my blood so that is something that hey as you grow throughout life you may have simple things that you do that other people do to you that you think is normal such as everyone asks you for cigarettes they ask you for a smoke or a lighter they check your arms for track marks and you think that these things happen to everyone else but guess what they most likely do not and it's just for you Hey everyone, so I hope you like that story. Yeah, it is super weird, track marks, looking for them as if I am a drug consumer. I'm like, I wanna tell them like, actually I'm way too smart for that. I would not be using, if anything, I would be selling because I am a businessman and entrepreneur and I would wanna be making money. And if you see how many people die from drug addictions, it is terrible. But then again, I mean, I would never sell drugs, so that's just me talking hypothetically. But then let's go down that rabbit hole of if hypothetically I was using drugs, would I do it on my beautiful arm? Arms that are open to the public no i would be smart enough to do it in between my toes ew did you know that happened i only learned that i mean i've learned i've known that for many years but i learned that from watching crime shows growing up they're like they look so normal there's no marks but they have high drug content in their veins what do we do check their toes check in between their fingers you know i don't know but i know for sure toes so i always think that too when people are asking me those questions i'm like you've got me pegged down completely wrong that is not me <laughs> but hopefully that is a fun story helps you think through your own instances in life but 
From there, we're going to go into the interesting fun fact. We're going to get to the main show of Pain and Time. It's a really interesting one that I'm excited to talk to you all about. And hey, while you're here, don't forget you can still sponsor the show for as little as a dollar a month. It would be a huge help, especially as we don't have any ads on the show. But I think the last time I checked, we're at 41 Spotify listeners. So once we get to 100, then we'll have an ad again. So if you cannot support the show monetary wise well thank you for listening like that's a huge step and then you can also share the show and if you do share it with friends and family share them the spotify app link because that will get more listens and if you follow me on social media that's the only link i share now i know i'm falling into their trap i am sharing the spotify one because that's what they want and to get this business going that's what i've got to do but with all that in mind let's get to the fun facts get to the show and then we're going to end things with a super cool song as always. So if you're ready, let's go. Okay, so for the interesting fun fact, I wanted to talk about a recent episode I listened to on the Jordan Harbinger show. And don't worry, I will link it for you because I want you to go listen to it and let me know what you think. I think it is so fascinating, so interesting, and something that you hardly ever hear. And I'm a bit biased because they talk about the area that I live within, the Bay Area, Silicon Valley, and how this is happening there, has been happening there, and it's really all over the United States and it's growing and growing, but particularly in California and the guests on the show worked and grew up in California right around where I am. So I thought alone, like, whoa, this is super cool. But then the topic they talk about was even more interesting. And it's about black market marijuana grows. Basically people that go off the grid and they're using water that is not theirs, land that is not theirs, putting extremely harmful chemicals and pesticides on the plants that kills everything else around it, but keeps their marijuana plants alive. And then they sell it on the black market for like double or triple what it would cost for someone who is doing it legally, going throughout the right routes of everything from when the plant is first grown to when it is delivered to transferred to then sold to you. They have to document all of that. If you are a legal business, they have to have certifications, licenses, all of these things, which if you have your own business or if you're just a consumer in society, you know it takes a lot of money. All the taxes that you have to pay as a business owner and then even as a consumer, you're paying taxes for that. So these people that are coming in, they mentioned on the show, they are mostly Mexican cartels that are coming up there and they are so professional. Like they, they're very good at their job. It's one of those times when you're like, man, if this person was not a criminal, like imagine what they could do. But even then, like they are doing really good at the job. It's just a shame that it is illegal and deeply rooted in some really evil things where they talk about on the show, all that cartels do. And like, this is just one branch of it. But I think the overall, like most interesting thing within that is that they talk about legalizing drugs and how everyone thought that like, hey, as soon as you legalize marijuana, there won't be an issue. You know, it, you won't have these cartels. You won't have gangsters. You won't have all of this activity because, hey, it's legal now. You know, it's out in the open. Everyone can do it. You can purchase it. You can smoke it in public. You can do all of these great things. That's what, if you talk to anyone, especially in California, that is the answer they give to so many things. Like, hey, you know what? We should just legalize such and such, and then we wouldn't have a problem. And I can see that point to a certain extent, but then listen to actual professionals that are in the field. And this person was a game warden and 
they had to shift their whole career because of this to not just checking licensing and making sure people are protecting the environment and being conservative when they are hunting and fishing and doing all that they do out in nature. Like, well, it's a really fun job. You get to be out in nature. But it turned to this whole new thing because of this legalization process where they have to work and be like specifically trained to go in as SWAT team members would to ambush and create all of these many layered operations of going in and first you're finding the operation then you're figuring out how do we go at that and you have all these different agencies working together to take down these really really dangerous really evil organizations that are manipulating and using so many natural resources that should be going into our environment or going through the right routes to be used for all of us that hey we're here legally, we're paying our taxes, we're doing everything we can to follow the rules, but no, 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 there are many people that go around that, which hopefully you've seen from how I've talked about some other things on the show, but in particular with the whole legalization of marijuana and drugs, when it comes to that topic, they kind of leave it at like, hey, if you're going to do something like this, you have to keep in mind that people are going to break these rules, so you almost have to have even more of harsh rules for what happens when you break this, like, we are putting all these rules and stuff to do for legal growers, but what if someone is doing it illegally? We need to come down as hard as we can to make sure people don't do that because think back to little kids. People are going to break rules. They're going to do whatever is easiest, whatever can get the most for them. And when it comes to this, if you can make millions upon millions of dollars from doing something illegally while you are squashing out your competition of the good and honest people that are doing everything as they should like what what are people going to do people are sinful they just do <laughs> they do evil things so of course they're going to do that and i guess when california in particular legalized it they brought it down from i think they said a felony to doing this illegally to a misdemeanor and i mean already these mexican cartel members they're in the country illegally <laughs> so on top of that, to get a misdemeanor, that is no big deal compared to a felony. So they're talking about how that was something that really pushed it up and pushed up this whole illegal black market of growing marijuana, which you think like marijuana, that sounds so stupid. But when you hear them talk about it, it is insane. And then the guy also talks about on top of that. So they're in the country illegally. They will only get a misdemeanor if they're caught. But these guys, they set up all these traps around their camp. They're very remote. Like, well, it like when you're listening i was just like this is so cool but also so creepy and so awful but they mentioned how they will get deported back to their home country and they've seen sometimes in 48 to 72 hours that person has crossed the border again and is back in the country if not within a few days to a week they'll be back within a year and they mentioned that when they talked to one of the people that was giving them information in order to go into like a witness protection or something along the lines they just laughed at our border and they're like it's just a speed bump there's no deterrent to getting over it if you have to spend 30 to 40 thousand dollars to get over but you're going to get 30 to 40 million dollars from doing this operation it is completely worth it so whoa i know i i feel like there is still so much more into that episode so i'm going to leave it at that but i think it is so cool to think about and really to hear different perspectives whether you are someone who partakes in legal marijuana or you do it illegally you buy it from off the street which they were saying if you're buying black market marijuana as they talked about in this episode they are putting so many harsh pesticides and chemicals on it that you are potentially 
getting a bad batch and you could kill yourself <laughs> from doing it. So I am on the side of like, hey, just don't do drugs. Like if you can be perfectly fine without it, why are you taking it? Do you want to be addicted to something? And I've seen even entrepreneurs who talk about how, yeah, they thought it was not a big deal, but the effects it had after a, like many years of partaking in marijuana led to some very destructive and awful things. So if you're in that line, like get off it. But regardless, I think the episode in itself was super eye-opening to being like, whoa, this is someone who's on the front line who risks their life every day to take these down in order to preserve our environment, God's creation that we are supposed to be stewards of. So check out the show notes. I highly suggest checking out the episode and hopefully that was interesting and fun for you to learn today. All right, so we got to the main part of our show where we're talking about this idea of pain and time. And it's something that I've been thinking about recently over the last few weeks as I have been building a new brand, Coffee Up Cup, as I've been trying to revive, revamp, and strengthen and build on to the business here, Fisher Philbrick, in which you know I've already done so much to basically changing it to being just a podcast. But I'm also posting so much on the social media, you know, really working hard on that to then, even as a person and my physical endurance of working out, swimming, trying to get what those awful lockdowns took away from me, like I had abs, and maybe not the full six pack, but at least four and the outline of the other two coming in and uh, just like that for like a year and a half, almost two years, I couldn't swim. I couldn't do anything. So I've been getting back into all of that. And I've really been seeing like, whoa, a lot of times to actually grow, to get to where you want to be, to find success, to go after all these things you want to do, it actually is most times very painful and it's going to take a lot of time. And so I really wanted to talk about that because I think it's something that as I share some examples of my own life, it'll really get you thinking about your own life, about society, about culture, and ideally about like where do you want to be as a person? How can you push yourself forward? How can you motivate yourself, others? How can you be more determined in your life to get to where you want to go knowing that, hey, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to be pain-free. It's not going to be super quick. I mean, maybe sometimes you'll get super lucky and things will just breeze by. But I think even then, you have to be very careful of getting stuck on that mindset because it's not always going to happen like that. And most times, it is going to be pretty painful and take a lot of time. And the first idea that got me thinking about this topic was, as I mentioned, the whole abs thing and trying to get a six-pack back, trying to get back what was taken away from me. I mean, that's so dramatic because yeah, I could have been doing stuff at home, but I originally got it from swimming. So I'm kind of determined, like, let's get the abs back just from swimming because I did that in college when I was a lifeguard. And then I'd done that after college when I was back into swimming. And I realized in order to do some of the different swimming techniques, so one of the really good ones is called a dolphin kick. And if you do a streamlined dolphin, you have your arms above your head in like a point or a triangle, if you want to say, then you're on your back and then you're doing a dolphin kick. And you can look that up if you don't know what that is, but it engages your core and works at your core super well. And from there, you can do it with your face up. I like that one because you can breathe a lot easier. You can do face down, which is what you would use when you push off the wall, especially in freestyle. You want to do a few dolphin kicks to get you going. And then you can do it on your side, either side, and you work out all the these different parts of your abs and you're like whoa this is so cool that's how you can get it and even after i do those workouts if you swim freestyle after and you've already worked the abs out you're like whoa i can actually feel them and like your whole body is stabilized a lot better in the water whoa that is so cool but 
as I was trying to get back into that, I was figuring out like, I used to be able to do these kicks so well, and I am just struggling now. And now that I've been a couple weeks into it, a couple months into swimming again, and really focusing specifically on abs and like, what workouts can I do in the water to get there? And I had asked my friend Diego, who's a personal trainer down in Southern California, like, what are you doing? Like specific exercises. And it showed me two different ones that you could use in the, I guess, dry land side of it of sit-ups and then leg raises on one of those like standing ab working things where you stand up and then your feet float in the air and then you zoop, lift your legs up because that's what he has used in order to get a six pack. But essentially I knew what I needed to do. I had gotten a couple of different exercises that I could do and I was starting to do it, but it was so hard and very painful. And I used to do the dry land ones before I would swim. But then by the time I got to swimming, I was starting out so tired. Like my warm up, which is usually somewhat nice for the first 100, which is like four 25 laps back there, like there and back, there and back. So 100 is like, it's pretty nice. But after I'd already done the dry land, I'm like, I'm already tired and I feel like I can't do a good swim now. So now I am not really doing the dry land and I'm just doing that, the streamline kicks and dolphin kicks that I mentioned and really trying to focusing in on the abs so that I can get those activated and working. Remember last episode, I talked about being intentional. Yeah, when you're doing workouts, you can also be intentional. Like I'm supposed to be working these abs. So let me make sure I'm actually using them and not using other forces within the water or other body parts to get me there. But what I've learned throughout all of that is that you actually needed to have abs there to do a lot of the exercises, which sounds insane. And I have been thinking about that a lot. Like now I'm actually much better at the kicking and the streamlined dolphin kicks because I have spent the time and I had to go through a lot of discomfort and a lot of like just getting halfway down the pool and having to take a break. And I'm like, this is so lame, Michael. Like you used to be able to do this so well. And it took a long time. And I was like, man, that's so wild and so crazy that to do the ab exercises, you actually have to get good at it. And it is very painful and takes a long time. So even some of the sit-ups, like I was going right into it. I'm like, man, this hurts so much. And it's a burning that I don't like to feel. And I can only do a few when I'm supposed to be doing, like my friend had sent me, here are a couple of different rep counts that you can do. And I'm like, I've got to shed off a couple of those <laughs> counts because I can't get there. And it's only now as the apps have very slowly started to come back, then I'm like, wow, it's actually getting a lot easier now. And if I didn't have that initial pain and all of this time, many weeks of <laughs> trying to focus in on that and hit that, I wouldn't have gotten where I was. So part of me is like, ooh, this is very interesting. But then I'm also like, man, does life really have to be like that? And I would say, yeah, it actually does. And that is what we are going to talk through in a couple of these different instances and examples that I have, because I think it is super helpful to see firsthand from someone like, what are they going through or what have they gone through? And then see like, hey, just because it is painful and that it takes a lot of time, it doesn't mean that that is a bad thing. Like that is what our society says now is that, hey, it should be pain-free. It should be quick. It should be easy. It should be convenient. You know, maybe you're gonna have to pay some more money or maybe you're gonna have to sell your soul. <laughs> you know, all of these awful, evil things. But in the end, that's how you're gonna be successful. It should all be easy. And I'm like, man, that for sure has changed in the last few years, the last few decades, the generations of those predecessors that we had, our forefathers who had to work so incredibly hard just to get a little bit of movement, a little bit of success. And then here we are like 
I just want to watch my phone all day and then build a business and get <laughs> get successful from that. I'm like, hmm, no. It's a good reminder that that does not always happen. So let's talk about a few different examples as we go. So one of the first thoughts that comes to mind is this business in itself, Fisher Philbrick, and I'm still on that journey of trying to find success through this. But when I was starting this job and creating this business, I had to quit my full-time job because I was just running around. I've mentioned that I was working my morning job, getting up around 4 or 4.30, working to 10, 10.30 or 11, going straight into dog walking and then working the full-time job for the rest of the day into the late evening most times. So in order to start something new to get on my own, I had to give that up and quit, which at the time I was like, cool, it's going to be something new and I just get bored easily. So I could have been working any job and been excited to start something new and not really know what I was doing. But I think within that, as I look back, a lot of the pain that could be found if we are going down this line is like, hey, I lost that job, which was my main income. It was the main amount that I was using to save for the house. And I figured once I got the house, I'd also find a wife and I would be able to support us and just keep going. And one day things would work out for all of those goals I have on that end of thing. But by starting this new business, I did have to quit the job and I was getting, let's say around 3000 on average from that job, plus about a thousand from my morning job. So essentially I went from having around give or take 4,000, maybe a little more, maybe a little bit less every month, which I know you're thinking like that is hardly anything. And yeah, that's why I needed to, <laughs> to move on and get things going with my life. But at the same time, I almost saved up a hundred thousand dollars in my house savings. So yeah. You can learn how to be a good steward, how to save well, how to be smart with the money you have. And I think that is such a, another, you know, it's another topic that maybe we should talk about how people think, oh, you need to get this job in order to move yourself forward. And sometimes you do, which I am an example of, like I had to move on to get to what I think my calling in life is and what I want my career to be. But at the same time, you can make good use of what you've been given and the resources you have. And I was an example of that, like, hey, I am diligently saving as much money as I can. I'm not going out. I'm not partying. I'm not drinking. I'm not doing drugs, which you already know <laughs> from most of the episode. And now that I think of it, like that first half of the episode is all just talking about track marks and illegal marijuana. <laughs> Which, if you know me, is pretty funny because I, I've never done drugs and I don't do that kind of thing. But, you know, I am very good at saving money. But leaving that job, I was like, okay, technically I can survive with my morning job because I have the bills to pay. And if I need to take stuff from my savings, like at the worst of things, that's what I could do. But it's very sad to be like, man, I used to be able to put like almost all 3000 of my monthly paycheck from that full-time job right into savings. And it's so fun to see an account grow. Like once you start growing an account with more and more money, it gets more and more exciting. You're like, whoa, I now have 60,000, 70, 80. And you guys, I still can't even imagine like when you say you have that much money, I'm like, I don't know what that means. I just see the little electronic things. And I'm like, man, if you fill that in a room, like, what does that look like? I don't know. But quitting that job, I lost all that. And almost to the point of like my trajectory for getting a house is out the door where I used to spend the evenings while watching TV going on the housing app and being like, 
what's around me? What could I have? What could I almost get if I have, you know, another year of working at this job? I will have saved X amount of money, which would get me enough to put a down payment on. And then if I pick up a couple other side jobs, I'd have enough to pay for the mortgage, especially if I get married, then we'll have a double income as we start and before we have kids to then get us on track for where we need to be. But by starting this business, it was almost as if I'm going backwards in time, where most people spend their first years out of college getting a job so that by the time they're 28 where I'm at, they were already on their second or third job and they are good to go with money. They are just about to take off in their career to keep on going to getting more and more money. And I'm like, starting from the beginning. <laughs> and that was a year and a half ago. And I feel like, yeah, I'm learning a lot and I am growing, but it's still like, I've got a lot of time to go. So I thought that was a super interesting one as we have been talking a lot about entrepreneurial and business things. And maybe you are someone who wants to start your own business one day or create a project, a side hustle and knowing like, yeah, sometimes you do have to sacrifice what is apparently good in the form of like, I was getting more money to save away and I'm good at saving money and I think that's fun. And now I'm like, oh man, I'm hardly making any money, but I'm still keeping to those good saving tactics. So I am still able to put some money away. But within that too, I'm also, as we get to the coffee up business, I'm having to use a lot of those house savings to get me to where I need to be with that product-based one. So that's another one where the business program I was in, like I was super excited for that. But as you know, it costs like $17,000. And I took that from my house savings because in the long run, I know money is not important. You should have your focus on other things. God has given you the money and that money that I have been spending, like now I am much lower and not even close to the 100,000 anymore with all the payments I've had to make to that. And then all the other life experiences that I've shared in the past episodes of like the financial things that have been going on with the family and just everything and the amount that I'm gonna have to use to buy the coffee, I moved 10,000 into my business account for Coffee Up Cup. And I don't think the coffee's gonna cost that much, but it's gonna be right around there. So I've been seeing the money go, but at the same time, I know that, you know, it's not my money. You know, if you say that it's God's money, then he can take care of you. So all this money that has gone down from my account, I know it can come back in fivefold, tenfold, you know, who knows that the sky is the limit for how it could come back. But that is also something where it's like, hmm, that's kind of painful to see like I spent five to six years saving for that. And within a couple months, it is down so much, which is also crazy when you think about people who can spend money so flippantly and you're just like, man, it really does disappear fast. And it is no surprise to me when you hear people that were millionaires have gone bankrupt. I'm like, mm-hmm, I could see that. Because if you're not careful, if you're not on top of what you're spending and the people around you who are flocking to you to have <laughs> basically to take advantage of the money you have, it will be gone super fast. But moving on from there, like the pain of that is something that is very real. And I'm like, Okay, with time, you kind of work through how do you deal with that relationship with money, which I've talked about of knowing, and I've already mentioned it here, like, hey, you can't think too hard about that because in the end, when you die, what is your money going to do? Nothing. <laughs> I mean, maybe your family will be sad if you can't, and if, if they can't inherit it, but even then, that is so superficial for what you can bring to your family, to those around you with who you are as a person with or without money. But also within that business program, I had such high expectations for it. And as I'm sure you know, if you've been listening, my expectations were not really met within that. And that was something that I had to process. I don't think it was a great experience. It was painful in that, I don't know, 
it's very hard to have high expectations, I guess, and then to get into something where you thought you were going to be with all of these people that would push you forward, that would have a tight-knit community, and everything that I've talked about on the past episodes, because that the specifics are not that important, but to go from that to be feeling like you've been let down to all that money that I just mentioned, like, did I use this correctly? I know people were always wary of that, and anytime you spend a big amount of money, most people will tell you, you know, it's not a good idea, and I'm like, yeah, of course, and I thought a lot about it, and I had all these green lights pushing me forward, so I know as I step back, like, I think in time, so that's why I think the pain and time goes together, like in time, it will work out to be a great thing. But back then, even a couple weeks ago to a couple months ago to maybe even a little bit now, I'm still like, man, I'm just not enjoying this program at all. But I think I've grown a lot through that. And it's really making me think of how do I want to structure the community that I have with Coffee Up Cup that I will hopefully have one day with Fisher Philbrick and all of these other things and projects I'm going to do. Sometimes if you don't go through the pain and the letdowns and life or say in this program, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't be learning and like really focusing in on here are the specific things that I'm not liking and how can I change that and what I create. And if you remember, I did send a list of those things to the program because I am a true believer. Like, man, I can see potential in so many people and programs and businesses that I was like, if I can help other people get better, like if we can strengthen something, like bring me on, I would love to do it. Like, even if I don't get paid for it, like, oh, there's something in me that just has such a drive to doing that. So I did send it to them. And whether or not they take those things into account, it's not up to me. Like I I did what I could. But the main thing is from what I've experienced through that, I can then set myself up so well for my future and in the communities that I create and go forward with. And even in my networking of learning what did I like from this? What did I not like? What What is good and what is bad from working with really rich people that are entrepreneurs that have all these businesses? Like, whoa, that's so cool. I thought I wanted to be like them. And I'm like, no, Michael, you do not. You really do not. And that's something I've learned starting in high school when I've mentioned that like you can't be so obsessed with celebrities or artists because people are going to let you down. We are sinful. We do things that don't make sense. And at the end of the day, if you're focusing too much, if you're creating idols out of other people and celebrities, they are going to let you down. And I think maybe that was part of what happened with this program was I had such high expectations of the guy who started it and what was going to happen in my mind because as I've also mentioned, I want to think the best of people and things that I'm getting involved with because if I didn't, I wouldn't have gone down that path. Like the the choices I make are because I've spent the time focusing in on what I think would be beneficial and what I could get out of it. So that comes with a lot of pain that I'm still going through in the time. I think that mainly is the thing. It's like, mm, let's see, I still got many months to go and I still haven't officially launched the business. So we'll see as we go. But getting to more practical things, when you first learn to ride a bike, you are most likely going to be falling down. And that's another example of like real pain, skinning your knees, falling on your wrist with rollerblades, biking, scootering, I learned how to do the unicycle, like all of these like smaller things that you would do for fun, even snowboarding, skiing, they are going to have a pretty big learning curve of when you get on it, you're not going to know what you're going to do. And you are going to have many falls, a lot of them very painful physically. And then some of them, even where it scars you, you're like, I am never going to go down that black diamond slope again. 
<laughs> so I think that's a very easy one. If you were like, I'm not a business person, but just remember little kids, especially if you have little kids, when they're starting to walk and you are freaking out because they are wobbly tobbly and they are going to fall a lot. And luckily God gave us bottoms and especially as they're toddlers, a puffy squishy diaper. So if they can fall on their butts, they're not actually getting hurt. But having a niece like you see you're like oh my gosh what what is this scratch and my sister's like oh she fell or <laughs> she hit her head and like she's not going to remember that but at the time it was very painful for lydia and this cute little human being that is still learning how to get around in the world and then that you know the next step she can walk really well but it's going to be running and then jumping and doing all these things where as a parent you're like horrified because you just see all the pain that they're going to have you can empathize you love them you just think if they fall it's going to hurt because if you were to fall as an adult you're like my goodness it will actually hurt and you could break something <laughs> but as a kid god has made it so that you can fall and that is part of growing up and in time they will get their balance they'll get their fine motor skills their large motor skills and that is something as a little kid like that's just part of growing up and that is so fun so even when society is trying to take that away of like no we need to bubble wrap our kids <laughs> and make it so cushy both physically and the things they do but also mentally and emotionally well look at this newer generation that is coming up into the ranks of who our professionals are now going to be. You just see all of these damaged people <laughs> that, you know, yes, we are all damaged and it is a fallen world. So yes, I agree with that. But when you see the anxiety levels, the mental illness, the, you know, they can't show up to work on time. They don't even show up at all. They don't call out. They are just loosening everything, especially these big companies for their employees. Even where I work in the morning, I'm like, it's a constant struggle of thinking like, is it because society is changing and the generation is not being raised as I was or has how you would think most people should be raised? Or is it because these big companies are lessening their standards? So basically, you don't even have to show up consistently. You can wear whatever you want. You can have tattoos and piercings all over you. You can dye your hair, whatever you want. You can wear... Uh, nail polish and wrist items, even when specifically in food and health, they say you're not allowed to do that. But does anyone catch them? Does anyone care? No, people don't get written up. They don't get warnings. They don't get fired. So um, maybe that's why <laughs> so many of these things are just not good anymore. I don't know, because I think as you step back and we talk about pain and time, I think a lot of people, they need pain and time. Like getting disciplined as a kid is not because your parent hates you or that they don't love you or they want to inflict pain on you. It's like, no, they're doing it for your better because they know that in order to be successful, you need to know some of these things. You need to be a good person with values and morals and beliefs. And in order to contribute to society, to your future family, to your kids, you've got to be disciplined. And that's something that, especially when you look at some of these bigger jobs and companies, how do they not know that? How did they at the top of the company get to where they were without being disciplined, without having rules, without having a ton of pain and a ton of time put into that? So I think with that, man, that alone is crazy to be like, hmm, I, I hope you, you guys, as you're listening now, are tracking with me, but we, we really do need the pain and time. And as I talk about from here, school, it took a lot of time. A lot of people don't like school. It was painful for a lot of people. A lot of people shed so many tears over getting bad grades or not as good and not feeling like you are worth anything or you can't fit within the program. And oh my goodness, we spend so much of our time in school and uh, isn't that awful? But at the end of it, 
hopefully, I mean, now, especially if you're in the public schools, it's probably not going to go this way, but hopefully you've learned how to be a better person to look at challenges and to critically think and just work through and have all of these skills that bring you together as an overall great and rounded person that can be like, yeah, it was painful. It took a ton of time. I don't really want to go back there, especially middle school, high school, but I am a better person for the experiences I went through. In high school, I've mentioned I did water polo. And let me tell you, that was very painful. Like, man, physically, mentally, emotionally, especially I started as a sophomore when I should have started as a freshman. So I was already a year behind my fellow classmates trying to learn how to swim in a big pool, how to tread water, how to you know, not only do that, but swim and tread without touching the ground while someone is trying to drown you and push you under to then swimming legs back and forth to throwing a ball. And I was like, I haven't really learned how to shoot a ball. So then eventually I became a goalie. And even that, like, man, there was so much to it. And I would not say it was easy. And really back then it wasn't even fun. For me, it was a challenge. Like I wanted to challenge myself physically, mentally, and emotionally, and I definitely got that. I also got very tan, so man, tan and muscular, ooh, that was a good perk of that, and they had a great logo deal, like logo pack, spirit pack, whatever you want to call it. We got a Speedo, a, a very comfy jacket, lots of shirts, lots of everything else that went into that, so out of all the sports, it had the best deal <laughs> with that, but all that pain and time of learning how to do well in the water, it actually led to me lifeguarding. And even within lifeguarding, we had these monthly trainings and swim requirements where you actually had to be in shape. You had to know how to do proper procedures for if an emergency happened. And a lot of it was you have to be a good and strong swimmer. And they would even have us do like kicking laps, which gets your heart rate up. And then after you are tired, your heart rate is up, you are a little foggy in the brain, then you have to do CPR. You have to run an emergency protocol because you practice emergencies at a low heart rate and you're like, oh yes, of course, like they're out of the pool. I will do my compressions and life saving breaths and open the gate and call EMS, you know, all of this. But the truth and reality is like, no, emergency situations are scary and your heart rate, like boom, all of a sudden you have adrenaline running through you. So you actually have to be prepared and knowing what you're doing. And as I started lifeguarding, I hated those monthly trainings. They were so hard, like physically swimming. And I had been swimming with a lot of college athlete swimmers and water polo players. So automatically I was on the far side of the pool where I'm like, I am not a very good swimmer <laughs> and I'm much better at all the other things. And man, that was a struggle. And I am, as I mentioned, very skinny. So being in the water after 45 minutes of being in water, even if it is heated for swimming well, I just start shaking uncontrollably, almost getting to where I am in that first stage of hypothermia. So during cold days, it was awful. And I eventually learned I needed a space blanket. And so me and another guy who was, we were both very skinny, we'd huddle under it and our own body warmth would like reheat us up from the foil. But I would then when they would play a game at the end, I'd just go straight to the hot showers and sit in the shower and try to get warm. Or on the sunny days, I'd in between sets sit out and lay out flat on the hot deck and try and get warmth that way. So looking back, it was not a lot of fun. It was a lot of hard work. Like, oh, it was terrible. But in time, and as I actually focused in on getting better, I was 
towards the middle of the group to then towards the higher end of the group of like I swam every day and I intentionally went through and put a lot of time into becoming a good and strong swimmer so that at those trainings I could excel I would not feel bad I would not be in as much pain and with time I got to see like whoa I actually got really good at that and I was not quite to the level of collegiate <laughs> athletes but I was right under that where you'd be like he's done this in his past and I'm like no, I actually haven't, but I'm dedicated and I'm determined and I am going to get there. And from doing all that, that's how I got a really good six pack, which if you scroll all the way back on my social media, probably five, six years ago, you'll see I have a picture in a speedo and like, boom, I have muscles and yeah, I'm still skinny, but that was the most fit I'd ever been. And I was like, whoa, that was so cool. But I couldn't have gotten that without pain and time. And a lot of other careers, like you need to do that. If you wanna be saved correctly when you call the ambulance or fireman, like man, think about all the pain and time they had to go through. And then think of your own job, your own family that you're raising. How would you be doing as good of a job as you are doing or as that you want to do if you haven't gone through these experiences that maybe physically it was very hard, mentally, emotionally, like you had to learn how to best survive and what you were doing and really realize and notice that, hey, this is going to take time. It's not going to be easy. But if I want to be where I know I want to be and where I hope to be in the future, especially with myself and everything that I want and just being like, someday they wake up, I'm like, man, that's a lot to ask for yourself, Michael. But other times I'm like, why not? Why would I just go on throughout life having a substandard expectation for myself and just be like, I'm just going to work a full-time job always. I'm not going to be at home with my family. I am just going to go, 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 hate myself, hate my life, you know, not get along with the wife, not know my kids, and then end up being like, whoa, at the end of my life, I wish I had done some of those things. Like who knows, you know, you never would know as you were dying if maybe you could have had so much better of a life if you learned that, yeah, there is going to be pain and it's not going to be easy and it's going to take a lot of time. So as we kind of close from here, I would say that I've already mentioned it, but as a society, I think it's really interesting to look through and think through, especially as you look at these different generations, a lot of the younger ones. And I think it is almost kind of unfair as people look towards the younger ones. They're like, man, they're all just terrible. They're all awful. Because I know when I was younger, I hated that. I hated when people would say like, I couldn't do such and such because you were young. Or even now, I feel like some people still look at me. If I don't have a beard, I do look a lot younger. <laughs> and I act happy and energetic. And people would assume that I'm young. And then they put on certain frames of like, oh, and you want to have your own business. You're doing a podcast. Well, good luck. Everyone else is doing that right now. And I just remember that is terrible and I don't think it is great to put that expectation on the coming up generations like you guys just suck and you're going to destroy everything <laughs> which maybe if things keep going the way they are maybe it will but I think part of that too is having to think like man why is this happening because it's not their fault um we are the parents or your parents are the ones that are raising it so what happened to them why are we just blaming these kids for what they're doing instead of looking at hey who raised them? And then who are the parents getting their information from? Are they looking only to the government and society and social media and in the pursuit of getting wealth and fame and just everything they can from themselves? Or are they being more intentional? Are they going to church, reading their Bible? They have a relationship with God. And they're really being intentional with how they raise and looking to the people that are before them. And like, how do I raise these kids to be the best that they can be? I don't know. But I think that is super interesting. And I hope you spend some time in the rest of the day just thinking about that in the people you see out on the street, at jobs, these big corporations of how are they 
putting into society this idea of pain and time. Like some of the jobs that retain the most people, if you ask them and the employees, it's not easy. It took them a long time, but most likely they are the most fulfilled in their jobs. They're the most passionate because getting to where you want, it takes work. And as people, we like to have the gratification and the satisfaction of working hard in life to get something good. If you get good things for doing no work, it cheapens them. And then all of a sudden, you are very depressed. You have a ton of mental issues and you just end up staying indoors all day on your phone and then maybe you try to kill yourself. I mean, yeah, we jumped pretty fast because we're getting short on time. <laughs> but I hope you see that, man, it's going on all around us. And really at the end of the day, you can only work on yourself. And maybe if you have kids, then you can work with them and just be very, as we talked about last episode, intentional about how are you seeing in your own personal life, like maybe internally, what does this look like for the pain and time that you're going through? Or most likely and most easily, look back a couple years ago and look to yourself and be like, what did I go through that was super painful, that took a lot of time? But because of that, look at where I am now, because I can tell you, you wouldn't be where you are today if you didn't go through the pain of that event or the time that it took. Like, man, it took so many years to get here, but hey, you're here. So great job. And then look at it currently. Where can you go from now? Like, what are you in now that may be painful, that may take a lot of time, but don't be discouraged by that, but rather say, hey, I know that this has happened in the past and I've become a better person because of it. So yeah, it's not going to be fun right now, but let's see. Let's keep on going and hit these goals that I want to have. And I think it is the same to be said with your relationships, like which relationships do you have, which are the better ones that you really enjoy and which are the ones that you want to add and how are you putting the time into that? What are maybe some painful conversations, some confrontation that you have to bring up? And I think that's another thing. And I, I don't like confrontation. So that is hard. I mean, I'm fine writing it into an, like in an email to businesses I work for or I'm a part of, but on the relationship side of personal and family and, you know, probably in the future having a wife, I think that is a lot more difficult and very hard to be like, Sometimes you have to have hard conversations in order to strengthen what you have and to move yourself better and further to have an even stronger relationship. So people that don't have real and honest conversations, they end up falling apart, breaking up, divorcing, you know, adding more to society that is not good and being like, hey, even with some of your friendships, it takes a lot of time and you will go through these different phases within your friendship where sometimes being their friend is super easy or maybe it is very hard and it's painful and you're seeing someone destroy their life. You're like, what can I do? I can't do anything. Or I don't know, maybe they're hurting you and then eventually you guys get on the same page and you're like, whoa, we've been through a lot with this friendship or this relationship. But that's another thing that I think is super interesting to think through in your own life. And then finally, within your own career, if you're starting your own business, what is this going to look like for yourself? So maybe you're working for another corporation and you don't want to be an entrepreneur. You don't want to start your own brand and business. Well, you may have a little bit different of a path than what I have right now, but you will still have these instances in life where you have to figure out and navigate how much time is it going to take to where I want to be and how much pain is going to be in there. And yes, it is not bad to have the pain and time, but maybe if you're working for someone else, you have to think about it a little bit differently because at the end of the day, these people will fire you from one day to the next day, will take everything you can give them, they won't pay you enough, and they'll be like, okay, we don't have room for you, goodbye. So I think that is the main difference when you're working for someone else is that, yeah, the pain and time is still gonna be in there to grow your career, 
but you have to balance it a little bit differently because all the time you're putting into it is for someone else. So yeah, if you're getting paid enough and feeling fulfilled and are passionate about what you do, that's awesome. But as soon as those things start to fade or dwindle down, and if you really realize that you're being taken advantage of, that's where I would say, hey, the pain is not worth it. The time is not worth it. Like if you're not getting to spend time with your family and your loved ones, then ooh, maybe you got to look for something else, something else that will be a little bit more painful and <laughs> time consuming. But if you are a business person, then you've already heard my own examples of like, man, you got to give stuff up to get something better. And I'm still in that time with these two businesses of like, uh, like I, I am having fun and I think it is fun and I'm learning new things every day. So don't get me wrong. This is the right path that I'm on and I am excited for what I'm doing. But there is also a lot of days where I'm like, why did I choose this? Why am I doing this? Why am I waking up like I have a full day of work that I can do, but do I want to do it? I don't feel like doing that, but I need to do it. Why am I doing this? If I just had someone else to work for, I could just show up and make around a hundred thousand and that would give me a house much faster. I could get a wife much faster. I could have kids much faster. You know, all of these thinking frames that I get into where I'm like, that is not helpful. Michael, you know that you are supposed to be where you are and you just got to <laughs> buck it up. Like, come on, put yourself together, pull yourself up by, what do they say? Your, your own bootstraps, your shoestrings, tie your shoes and get walking. You got to go and it's all a journey. So as we close, I hope that is really helpful for you to one, hear my own experiences and some of these you've heard before, but others, I am going a lot deeper into it and sharing personally like what I'm going through. And then two, within your own life, because we are such interesting and complex humans and we all have got our own story, the our own journey that we are currently on. And I know, as I mentioned, if you look back, you will see so many things that, man, all of this good came because I had to go through some painful experiences and it was not fast. And maybe if it was pain-free and if it was fast, you'd just be extra grateful. You thank God. You're like, I did not deserve this. I did not work as hard for it as I should have, but you have given me this blessing. So be grateful <laughs> for that. And I think that is also another thing that is super helpful in your daily life is just being thankful and grateful for what you have. So with that, we're going to get to our song. I'm going to wish you the very best rest of your day. And hey, if you're listening on Spotify, interact with the polls, the questions I have. And if not, send me an email, message me on social media. Let me know what you thought about the episode. Okay, so we're back in the studio, ready to share with you a new song for this week. This is one I wrote probably in the last six to eight months, so it's not super new, but also not super old. And if you didn't know, I have this songwriting book that has blank pages in it, and I will write ideas down on there. And then this one, I found an empty spot on a page, so it already had two song ideas on it. But I was like, you know what? Let's take the chord ideas because I started writing down the chords in case I came back to an idea and I was like, what did I put here? I have no idea. So I took those chord ideas and I was like, let's come up with a new idea using those chords and see what we get. And what I'm going to share with you is what I got from that. And I think it is fun. This idea is that, yes, you want to find someone to fall in love with and get married, have all the kids, but 
there's also this idea, at least as I've gotten older and am getting older, of like, you don't have much time, like time is running out, hurry. But then also when we look at society and the world and how it's just crumbling and a lot of people are like, hey, you know what? Jesus is coming back. <laughs> the world is ending. You only have so much time. Like you could come at any moment this time and look at what's happening to our governments, the world system, you know, you can really go down a long rabbit hole. <laughs> and whether or not you believe that, once you start hearing that, I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, we gotta hurry. Like I've got a lot of stuff I wanna do. And in order to do that all, we've got to get this done fast. We are running out of time. <laughs> so that's kind of went into this idea, kind of a fun, humorous way to think of it. So without further ado, here we go. Let's see what we can do together in this life I think you may be right when you say we don't have all that much time So let's run away and make an escape And maybe baby we could hide away oh, Whatever we want to do baby let's follow it through see what we can do together in this life oh and see what we can do together in this life thanks for listening to fisher filbert the show here's how you can best support us you can subscribe, comment, and rate the show. You can share this podcast with your social circles and even consider becoming a monthly sponsor of the show. Any of these items that you're able to do will make such a big difference. Thanks again for listening and for your support.